The facts. In a talent market that is more competitive and less understood than any other time in history, it's the facts that matter. Welcome to Start Smart, the podcast that delivers the facts, the latest research and data on the key issues and opportunities facing talent acquisition and HR professionals. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this issue of the Start Smart podcast, the podcast that focuses on the facts, the latest research in talent acquisition. I'm Peter Weddle, the CEO of TA Tech. Normally, we have Shalila Gray, the VP of Global Talent Acquisition at Quadient, to join us, but she's not here today. But uh, we have a great addition to the show, an old friend of mine, Thad Price, who's the CEO of Tauru, which describes itself as a, quote, data-driven talent attraction solution. So first, Thad, welcome. And second, what is a data-driven talent acquisition or talent attraction solution? Great to be here. Thank you so much. And a little more about Tauru. So Tauru won most comprehensive talent acquisition platform in 2022 from HR Tech uh, Awards. And we bring a programmatic, profile-driven programmatic approach to job advertising and hiring events and provide insights to help companies be more effective in their talent acquisition strategy. So very important for us to help companies find unique audiences and find new places for uh, them to advertise and find a new pool of candidates. Yeah, that's incredibly important these days, that's for sure. Okay, so we're going to explore a report from McKinsey that addresses a topic that's been getting a lot of visibility these days. It's called Americans are embracing flexible work and they want more of it. But first, I'd like to let you hear from our sponsor. Acquire is a brand new solution that's just been released by Kilo, an established recruitment marketing and technology agency. Here's how it describes Acquire. Acquire is programmatic jobs distribution with easy apply. It's been developed to address the shortcomings and pain points within the programmatic recruitment marketing space. By building a modern platform with true campaign management capabilities, we're changing the game in programmatic technology. What does that mean? Well, first, our technology uses real-time data and machine learning to optimize performance and control spend maximizing your ROI. Second, we set up your jobs on quick apply, even when it hasn't been adopted in the past. With our software, you can add quick apply to all, some, or none of your jobs. And third, we provide a customizable dashboard that gives you the ability to manage your campaigns and quickly access data from multiple sources. So say goodbye to logging on to different platform accounts to manage your jobs and candidates and say hello to Acquire's one-stop shop. Visit us at acquireroi.com. Again, that's acquireroi.com. Okay, we're going to talk about flexible work. There's been some, you know, some highly publicized uh, retrenchment among companies like Apple and Comcast and Peloton. But, but the conventional wisdom, I think, is that we're now seeing a new dynamic, flexible work in the American workforce and workplace. But 
that raises a question. I mean, that's the conventional wisdom, but is it correct? Because uh, if it is, great, but if it's not, we're, it's going to determine how employers design their recruiting strategies, how what technology they buy for their workplaces, and so forth. So the McKinsey report, again entitled Americans are Embracing Flexible Work and They Want More of It, is based on a survey of 25,000 folks conducted earlier this year uh, by McKinsey and a market research company called Ipsos. Now, it was an online survey, and, and McKinsey is quick to acknowledge that that limits uh, the participation of some cohorts of the population. Um, as it says in its report, quote, people with lower incomes, less education, people living in rural areas, or people age 65 and older are underrepresented among internet users and those with high-speed internet access. So with that caveat in place, let's take a look at the findings. Here we go, Dad. First finding, and this is a quote, Flexible work is no longer a temporary pandemic response, but an enduring feature of the modern working world, end quote. So we all know the history here. It all began, you know, as the pandemic uh, hit us, the knee-jerk reaction was we all have to work remotely, work from home. We had those three-hour Zoom calls from hell. Uh, and, you know, but over time, it, 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 I think a lot of companies develop practices and procedures that have since translated into making it an acceptable way to get work done. Now, it's not without its critics. Um, there are some who are worried that dispersing your employees can negatively impact productivity and team cohesion and unit morale. But, but nevertheless, uh, it's, a, it's a big part of the current workplace. And here are the facts in the McKinsey report. 87% of the workers in the survey said that they would work remotely three days a week on average if they had the opportunity to do so. Now, that's an interesting finding because what that suggests is if they say they would work three days a week, it means that uh, at home, it means that they would work two days a week in the office, uh, which would seem to suggest that they see some value in being in the office with their peers. Nevertheless, 58% of working Americans, if you can believe that, over half, 92 million people now work at home either full-time or part-time. So what do you think, Thad? I mean, is, is this thing for real um, uh, or uh, is it a temporary dynamic in the workplace? I think it's for real. I think, um, you know, as we think about the all-powerful worker People are looking for, they've been looking for flexibility for years. You know, we started seeing this um, on more of the um, essential worker, hourly worker, probably about seven or eight years ago. And that was when there was this huge focus around marketplaces, uh, gig marketplaces, where at a certain time you could turn on when you wanted to work and you could turn off when you didn't want to work. And I think as we think about this voyage, you know, and this journey that we're on, around redefining work. I think that remote work is here to stay. I think that flexibility is a big driver of a lot of that. Um, and I think that we're gonna continue to see this, this focus and the American worker will drive you know, a lot of that. What I would say is I think that when, if, if in fact companies feel like creativity is influenced negatively from you know, when, 
working remotely. I think that's when the, the tide can turn. But from what we can tell and for what other businesses can tell, we're just not seeing that yet. And so, you know, here we are <laughs> and we're embracing this idea of, of, you know, a remote environment. But I really think on, you know, if we think about the, the all powerful worker, I think that we started seeing this shift years ago and the pandemic you know, accelerated all of it. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I, I think that working from home is a symptom of a larger desire on the part of workers to really uh, be in charge of where and how they get their work done. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But but I, I, I do think that there is clearly not the opportunity for that serendipitous development of two people passing in the hallway and, and having a light bulb go off. But as you say, the, the, the worker is in charge and workers really uh, want to avoid that long commute into the office and that long commute home. And, and some of them, at least, are investing that time in their work for their employer. So their employer is net-net uh, coming out ahead. I think, I think the one, and to that point, too, I think the one thing that we haven't seen yet, and I haven't seen a lot of company study, but I think we will study, is the impact and how retention compares for folks that have been hired in a remote experience versus folks that have had that connective tissue in office, if that makes sense. So when you think about cohorts of um, job seek candidates or you know new hires that you're onboarding, if you think of the cohort of new hires that have always been in a remote environment compared to a cohort of of employees that had been, you know, in the office. One of the things I'm, I'm not sure of is if you think of the idea of connecting with people directly in an office, there's that, there's that, you know, somewhat physical connection that occurs versus a virtual experience that occurs in more remote environments. And so I think it'll be interesting to see if there are trends in how retention is actually um, influenced by, you know, kind of a remote world versus an in-person world. So that'll be interesting, you know, as the dust settles and we see um, that, that'll be interesting to see um, what that, you know, what that looks like in the future. Well, my suspicion is that what we're going to find is that uh, there's less stickiness uh, to uh, an employee's uh, work experience uh, when they've never had a chance to be in that cohesive bonding. Uh, and so what that what that suggests is that companies are going to have to think about strategies that will uh, that will add that stickiness in a way that they've never had to do before. I mean, for example, uh, you know, we, we talk traditionally about onboarding employees um, and we try to get them into the culture. We try to get them are ready to be productive from day one and so forth. But what we may have to do is reboarding. In other words, we may have to do all of that kind of stuff, building that co that unit cohesion over and over and over again uh, because people are not working in close proximity to one another. I do think that it's definitely uh, going to be an enduring feature of the modern working world. And I think companies... You know, there are some, as I mentioned at the outset, there are some notable examples of companies who are saying, if you want to work here, you have to come back to the office. But I think they're going to be the outliers, the exceptions that prove the rule. 
Um, and if companies want to be successful uh, in their talent acquisition strategy, they're probably going to have to have some degree of flexibility or working from home uh, options uh, in order to compete. However, you know, it's not all sunshine and roses out there. The McKinsey report also points out that introducing flexible work programs can inadvertently undercut the efforts they're making to achieve their DE&I goals. Um, and um, what it turns out based on their research is the the opportunity to spend all or even a part of your work, uh, part of your week, excuse me, working remotely is significantly affected by a person's gender, ethnicity, age, education, and income level. Uh, for example, the survey says that 61% of men, so almost two-thirds of men, have been offered the opportunity to work remotely, while barely half, 52% of women, have been. Uh, and at every income level, younger workers are more likely than older workers to say that they've been offered a chance to work remotely. So, Thad, you're, you're the talent acquisition expert here. Uh, you know, what do you think? How, how can companies acknowledge the trend that we just said was now a, a, a enduring part, a permanent part of the world of work, uh, and offer that kind of flexibility, that working from home, when it can work against their efforts to stay true to their DE&I goals? Well, I think the big thing is understanding, you know, what having a diverse experience from a talent acquisition standpoint and a funnel standpoint. And I know in, in talent acquisition and sourcing, when we say funnel, in some cases it can be, it can dehumanize the experience of connecting candidates and to actually ensure that you're, that you're actually attracting those candidates that you need to drive your initiatives forward. When I think about this, the first thing that jumps out to me is we have to be consistent in the different departments and the roles um, where there is this type of remote um, opportunity. Um, so first, first, let's say, hey, let's be consistent. Let's be consistent where there is opportunities, right? In some cases, when I read this, what I'm thinking is, well, when we think about 61% of men in the survey were offered remote working opportunities, well, that sounds like that we aren't doing a good job in those opportunities that we're allowing remote work from a DNI standpoint, right? So I think first we have to think about what are we doing and how are we addressing this at the top of funnel? How are we ensuring this is an initiative that we're embracing as a company? And without, without any of that, regardless of roles and regardless of how we think about remote work, we're not going to be able to provide as many opportunities to candidates. And so I think that's the first thing, right? Start with the basics. The basics is, well, how can we be more effective at this? How can we cast a wide net? How can we ensure that we're bringing a very diverse group of candidates to our talent acquisition funnel, that we're sourcing diverse candidates in a way that we will move the business forward and we will ensure diversity of thought and we can grow our business. Then from that perspective, we have to be consistent in how we think about how we think about remote work across departments, across positions. If we're not, if we're being inconsistent, that's where I think a lot of this can fall apart. But I think we have to think of first things first is ensuring that there is an action plan, that there's an initiative there that is DE&I focused and ensuring that we're holding true to that strategy and then ensure that there's consistency across roles and consistency across departments. I completely agree. I think that the first step is to make sure that you have a diverse and inclusive approach to in your talent acquisition, to filling your jobs. Uh, and if you've done that, 
uh, and then you consistently apply remote work opportunities uh, within that structure, you'll be okay. Uh, But if you don't begin with that initial step, then working from home can exacerbate the fact that you don't have uh, a solid DE&I plan in place. And, and part of that, you know, I think has to do with the historical way that jobs have been structured and filled. I mean, we, we have historically not done a good job of making some positions available to all cohorts of the workforce. So we got to get that fixed first and then make sure that we deliver work from home opportunities across the board in a fair and equitable way. Okay, so the reality is that there are just some jobs that can't be done remotely, uh, right? Uh, the survey talks about 41% of the respondents said that they did not have the option to work remotely. And interestingly enough, 13% said they wouldn't even if they could work remotely. Uh, so, you know, uh, uh, individual preferences are always going to play a role here, but... but uh, you know, certain jobs uh, like transportation, like hospitality, uh, you know, they just can't be done, like nursing, can't be done remotely. Uh, so the question is, uh, how do they participate in this this phenomenon that's driving working from home? Uh, it, I mean, I, uh, McKinsey makes the point that it's really not so much working from home as it is a sense of autonomy. They say, quote, job seekers highly value autonomy over where and when they work. And they go on to say, given workers' desire for flexibility, employers may have to explore ways to offer flexibility, uh, the, the flexibility that employees want in order to compete for talent effectively. So, uh, you know, nurses can't work from home, but how do you give them a sense of autonomy uh, in the way that they are managed, in the way that they experience work as an employee. So what do you think? Is that something that uh, is even realistic or is that pie in the sky? I think a lot of industries have to redefine what flexibility means. I think when you, different job types have certain definitions of flexibility. And if a job seeker is going through this process and going through this logic tree of applying for a job and finding the right job that may fit, you know, what they're looking for. I think one of the things that companies can do is to stand out and redefine flexibility. And here's a great, you know, here's a great way to think about it. If you're uh, recruiting in hospitality and you allow, you allow your employees to have every Saturday off or every other Sunday off, that could be very unique to the hospitality industry. And so that's like a, that's a way that we can be, focused in flexibility, but redefine what flexibility means for an industry. Um, I think that's that's what's really important is we take somewhat of a binary approach, I believe, to flexibility today, um, where it's you either have it or you don't. And I think in these industries where in these industries where um, there isn't that level of flex- flexibility, I think companies can actually gain share a voice of of talent or candidates based on redefining what flexibility means for their business. And they need to be thinking about flexibility that way. Again, as simple as, hey, every other weekend you'll have off, or simple as, hey, we provide you know, PTO, all these things that in some cases 
when a job seeker is making that decision to apply or a candidate's looking to apply for a job, how can you stand out? And I think that's what it's all about. And we're not going to be able to change this um, immediately, but if we can reframe what flexibility means to an industry, then I think companies will have a lot more success in attracting the right talent they need to grow their business. Yeah, you may may remember that pre-COVID, there was a big movement, particularly in the hospitality industry, around scheduling. Uh, a lot of employers, unfortunately, did not provide advance notice of schedules so that people could plan daycare, could plan just how they were going to live their week. Uh, they had uh, really... Uh, unlimited the unlimited ability to change shifts midstream so that people had their schedules disrupted um, and and you know I think to, to use your uh, example what people are really looking for is the opportunity to be in charge of how when and where they work um, and I think that a, a better description of uh, that is not so much flexible work as sovereign work people want to be the, the sovereign. They want to be in charge of their own work experience. Um, and companies who realign themselves uh, in a way or restructure their employee experience in such a way to, uh, to permit that will, will have the same sorts of uh, benefits to their talent acquisition that companies get when they offer a work from home uh, opportunity. We're not only talking about, you know, a new trend, we're talking about some pretty significant restructuring in the world of work and the workplace. So where, where do you think all of this is going to go uh, in terms of in, in terms of talent acquisition? I mean, it, it, the, it doesn't change the fact that we're in a zero sum talent market right now. There aren't there aren't enough people to go around. You know, like if you look at the Jolts report, there's still almost uh two job openings for every one individual uh, in transition or one job seeker, if you will. I just think that we're, we're in for a, ro a long, hard road to hoe, no matter what we do. I mean, certainly we can offer work from home and more flexibility, but, but what do you think? I mean, it, it, is there, how are employers going to address this zero-sum talent market? I think you hit on something really interesting in how I, I would distill that as entrepreneurship. When we look at all of the great leaders here in our company, one of the things that's really unique is this idea of entrepreneurship. And entrepreneurship is fueled by autonomy in many ways. You know, owning, owning what you're focusing on, having extreme ownership. And, and to your point about this idea of, of sovereign work, you know, you hit, I think you hit the, net, the, the, the nail on the head with that way to think about it. And so let's think about the larger trend over the last, you know, let's call it 10 years. There's been a huge trend for, you know, I want to control when I work, whether it's the hourly worker or the essential worker that's delivering for Instacart or driving for Uber, or whether it's the graphics designer using fiber, fiber to actually, you know, generate income on, on kind of a gig-based approach, or whether it's the engineer on, on Upwork completing tasks and, and working in kind of that more contract environment. So I think that I think that candidates, I think that employees are really looking for this idea of controlling their own destiny, whatever that may be. And so we've been seeing this for the last, we've been seeing this for the last 10 years. And so 
the number one the one number one thing that job seekers you know are always focused on is of course wage you know what they're what they're being paid the number two is flexibility and what i've seen over the last three or four years specifically is the gap is closing and if you think about you know wage versus flexibility in some cases flexibility is really close to wage right now as to what job seekers are really focused on so i think that there's a huge opportunity to truly embrace the american worker around this idea of the clearing opportunity and the clearing opportunity can help companies attract the right talent by ensuring that there are so many ways in which someone can grow with a company and celebrate those opportunities for growth because when you think about the other alternatives whether it's you know delivering for Instacart, you know, with essential workers or hourly workers or driving with Uber, driving for Uber, or when you think of, you know, this idea of, you know, a graphics designer fulfilling gigs on Fiverr or one of these other marketplaces, that opportunity for a large company or the ability to actually grow with a company isn't provided. And so I think that there's a huge change happening where by providing flexibility, by providing autonomy, we can actually attract entrepreneurs to businesses. And we, when we attract entrepreneurs to businesses, we get amazing creativity thought and we can change, change the game in, in a long way. If you're not providing that, then you may not have that level of you know, success that you may otherwise have through attracting the type of talent that you're gonna need to take your business to the, to, you know, to the, to the next um, phase. I think that's very insightful. I, I, you know, I, I think that there's widespread recognition that you have to have a competitive salary uh, to, to have any success at all in today's uh, talent market. What that means is that compensation, whether it's a wage or a salary, is table stakes. So in order to be competitive, you've got to have something over and above. And, and structuring your employment opportunity as, as this, this way to be your own internal entrepreneur and to achieve, you know, Maslow said that the, the peak of, of uh, human motivation is fulfillment. So to be able to do something that's more than, uh, more than just earning a wage uh, uh, is inherent in all of us. Um, and... Uh, it's tough to, to achieve that. I mean, some people are going to want flexibility and being, uh, you know, a gig worker more, more, more than anything else. And that's fine. But most of us, you know, want to do something that in some way fulfills us, some way uh, gives us an opportunity to be the best we can be and to express that talent that we all were born with and, and want to get out and, and, and experience. So, you know, having a chance to do that as an internal entrepreneur, if you will, to use your phrase, uh, I, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. When you, when you think of companies today, especially, you know, again, going back to hourly essential workers and, and this transaction that may occur in, in apps, you know, one of the, the, one of the conversations we have a lot with our customers is that's, that's a transactional relationship. You're creating an opportunity where they can grow in different areas in a company and more companies need to celebrate that opportunity, the opportunity to just more than just 
compensation, more than just wage. It's actually where you can grow your career and, and go back to a lot of the basics that we've been talking about over the last you know number of years about growing with companies and moving with companies and new challenges. And if you, if you go at it from the perspective of I'm attracting entrepreneurs to help grow my business, I think there'll be an enlightenment for companies. Yeah, I think that's right. Well, we've come to the end of our half hour. As always, we could go on a lot more. The, the report is by McKinsey & Company. It's called Americans Are Embracing Flexible Work and They Want More of It. Uh, it's a fascinating read. I encourage you to actually uh, download the report and take a look at it. Next episode, uh, we're going to take a look at a report from Pandologic and WorkTech entitled Future-Proof Your Talent Acquisition Strategy, the New Model for Talent Acquisition Leadership. So we'll be doing that here shortly. Uh, hopefully, Shalila uh, will be back with us. But I want to thank you, Thad, for, for joining us today. Uh, again, Thad is uh, the Intergalactic Commander-in-Chief of Talru.com. That's T-A-L-R-O-O. -O. So make sure you stop by and, and uh, take a look at their data-driven talent attraction solution. Thad, thanks for being here. Peter, great to be here. Thank you so much. That concludes this episode of Start Smart. Thanks very much for joining us. And come back for our next episodes on the latest research that will help you shape your talent acquisition with the facts. See you then.